You may be seated. Well, it's a pretty good group to see you. To see you being a pretty good group. And put it that way. I don't know that you heard the final number, but there were 48 guys, 49 including our speaker, Darren, that were at Camp Iowa. And I see some of the guys you've made your way back, uh, which is great to see. I'm glad that you're here today, some of you. Uh, it's been a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. I was there until last evening after the last small group and then headed back. Just some, some neat things happening there. So just continue to pray for our guys and pray for, the, uh, pray for the families that are here just trying to manage things, the, the kitties and all of that. So that's awesome. See some of the moms here today. We're really glad that you're, you're here today. I just wanted to highlight a few things that are kind of happening around the world. I don't know whether you're following it all, social media, but one of the, one of the thing that, things that um, really uh, piqued my interest was to discover that Asbury Seminary, my, my alma mater, uh, where I graduated from seminary in, in 1989, is experiencing revival again. They, they had, there's a book that's written, it's called One Divine Moment, and it was when revival swept the uh, college campus, which is just across the street from the seminary, and revival started there, and it moved over onto the Asbury campus, the seminary, and how it went for 144 hours. And people traveled from all over the U.S. to see and to experience what was going on. And when they entered, when they actually came close to the property, they were already experiencing a move of God. And uh, it not only turned out that people from the U.S. came to this, but people from other countries and so on traveled to, uh, to experience and to see what was going on. It happened again in the early 2000s, and then uh, it's happening again. This has been going on for, I think, since Wednesday. So it's well over 80 hours of this uh, night and day, um, experiencing God, people flooding to the altar to pray, people standing and confessing their sin, receiving forgiveness, crying, weeping. It's just been a joyous, uh, joyous opportunity. So that's happening at the Asbury campus, which is in Wilmore, Kentucky, near Lexington. So if you have a chance to Google that, that would be, just, uh, that would be an interesting thing, just to see uh, what God is doing there on that campus, which is uh, really tremendous. Um, just a couple things to pray for. Some of you have filled out your surveys this last week. We received about 25. Just thank you so much for that. Our staff has divided you up, and uh, we're now we're in the process of reaching out to you. If you said there's some things that you're interested in, if you haven't filled out your survey, we have some that are here, um, but maybe maybe you've done yours and sitting on the counter at home, and uh, we want you to leave right now and go get it. <laughs> We want for you to fill that out and bring it in. We talked about how important it is for the church, you are the church, to be involved in your giving of your time, your talent, and your treasures. And uh, so whatever, whatever God's gifted, with, gifted you with, the expectation would be is that you'd be using that for his kingdom. So just really encourage you to fill that survey out. We are looking at them. We're praying over them. And our team is salivating over who gets who. So um, it's like draft day for them. So if you can fill that out, that would be just really, really um, cool. Just two other things I want to mention real quickly, and that is, is that um, uh, the leadership is meeting for our strategic planning. That'll be happening this week, this Thursday evening. There's about 13 of the leaders of this church that'll be meeting to sort of map out where we're headed in the next three years or so. 
Not, not five years, because five years seem to be a long time when pandemics enter and all sort of things, your plans sort of go askew, but we're, we're planning out three years. And so our team will be meeting to do that. If you could be praying for Thursday evening, that starts at six, uh, six o'clock and goes till about nine or so. There's a lot of work that's already been done put into that. You've helped with the World Cafe. So if you could uh, be praying about that, that'd be wonderful. Um, you'll notice that Carlene is not here this morning. She's traveling with her husband, Bishop Cliff. They, uh, they've headed to Ghana, and they're on a trip there, um, touring the country and doing ministry work along with some other uh, ministry leaders from our denomination. And uh, they'll be gone for the next uh, week or so. So we'll try to survive. Um, we'll, do our, we'll do our best. So that's, that's all that I wanted to mention with those things. We, over the course of the last um, couple weeks, we started in the first part of January to talk about us moving forward in our faith and how do we go deeper. Because one of the things that was a little bit evident when, when COVID hit, the pandemic hit, and there was this thought, you know, in the church, it's easy for us to be a mile wide and only an inch or so deep spiritually. I think some of us found it pretty challenging during that time to know what we could do spiritually. What do we do when the church isn't as available as we hoped that it would be? And our hope is, is that during, the, during, um, during this series, we've had opportunity to talk about how important the Bible is, how important it is that, that you get in a small group, how, how important it is that um, you would spend time in your daily, daily devotions and spend time doing that. Um, all those things, are, all those things are, are very, very important. Taking time for, for silence and taking time for um, um, just solitude. Just, just, just let the world pass you by and just, just take a moment and put away our devices. I think I, I, I mentioned at one point the a study that talks about the fact that we take out our, our device and we look at, at it usually on, in general uh, about 1,100 times a day. I don't know if that fits any of your... It fits any of you, but I, I do know of people where that is, that is the case. Um, so we need to spend time. Today, we're, gonna, um, we're talking about, and this is kind of wrapping things up. Today, we're talking about how important it is to be accountable to someone. And like, I, I'd like to ask for a show of hands, but I'm not going to. And that is, how many of you have an accountability partner? And I'll ask you again at the end. But I, again, I won't ask you to show your hands. How many of you have a person that you could go to, or that you go to, and they ask you some of the tough questions of life? You know, on a pretty regular basis. They, they ask you the tough questions that hold your feet to the fire. Um, during the course of my life, I've had, I've had um, several of those individuals. Um, and on many things, I think my wife is that person. Whether she knows that or not, but she is. Um, your, 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 accountability, your accountability person should know that they are the, your, your accountability, person, accountability person, just so you know. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. And some of the passages of Scripture, you, you'll come to it in a minute, Galatians chapter 6, verse 2, and it'll be on the screen just in a minute. But I, I want to I talk about this scenario. In 1995, the oldest bank in England announced that it was filing for bankruptcy. In 1995... The oldest bank in England announced it was filing for bankruptcy. Now get this, it had lost nearly $1 billion in a stock gamble. At the time that it went under, it held over $100 million in assets 
for Queen Elizabeth. So I don't think that she would have been really terribly excited about the fact that she got burnt to the tune of $100 million. A year earlier, the chief trader at their Singapore office started betting some very large amounts of money in the Japan stock market. He made a lot of money for the company, but then an earthquake, earthquake hit uh, Kobe, Japan, and in January 1995, the stock market took a severe nosedive. Think it was only a temporary loss, guess what he did? Anybody know? Double down. Let's put more money into that. This is, this is just going to be a blip. This is going to come back. Hoping to make very large sums with the market when it rebounded, but instead the bank cutting, uh, the bank cut, it, cut it lo its losses. It just kept pouring more money into the Singapore exchange and their employee would just use more to bet it in the market. And as a result, they sent nearly $900 million to this man, and in turn, he lost it all. How could one 28-year-old employee in Singapore lose nearly a billion dollars and ruin the oldest and most influential bank in England? How is that possible? It all boiled down to what? Greed? It all boiled down to greed. It also all boiled down to the fact that he wasn't being supervised very well. And he had no accountability. For those who are actively engaged in stock markets, they do have this accountability. And this is very unusual that this would, this would have been able to happen. He would, there would have been checks and balances, but he didn't have accountability. And he also looked after his own books. He didn't have someone else that was checking his books. The, this employee was the only one who invested and he kept his own books. Really, that's like a schoolboy that has the opportunity to grade his own papers. When it comes to accountability for us, there's a big difference between fellowship and accountability. There's a big difference between having friends and having friends who care enough to hold you accountable. There's a big difference between the word fellowship and accountability. Accountability comes down to asking and answering the tough questions. It pushes into the real issues of life. Accountability fosters challenging, probing discussions. Accountability within the church is an issue that scares most people to death. You mean I'm going to have to tell somebody my deepest craziest secrets? How to tell them about my sin? Not asking people to come up to center aisle and just, just pour it out for everybody to see. We all, we have, we have these things in our life that we're not particularly happy about. But there's that one person that you trust with your life and they hold you accountable because it's that important. Most recently, we had a political... Um, a politician, major, larger, a major city, just recently resigned because there was a loss somewhere of accountability in his life. We see it every day. We see it not just um, politicians. We also see it among pastors. We see it among uh, individuals that didn't take seriously this thing called accountability. 
Instead of modeling accountability, pastors, we often want to think of ourselves as above being accountable and having to answer to no one. It comes easy. People, people see us and put us in a high place. Maybe there's other individuals that are spiritual leaders around you and you just kind of give them a pass because they're spiritual leaders. They seem to be doing a good job, but there's no accountability. As a pastor in the Free Methodist Church, it is beholding upon us to have accountability partners. And in various spheres of my life, I have individuals that hold me accountable financially. I have people that hold me accountable in relationship to, my, to what I do as a pastor and ask me the tough questions about that. They ask me about my personal life. I have about three or four that I have regular conversations with. And in addition to that, I have my wife who holds me accountable on things about our own life and at home. So there's lots of checks and balances around there. If we don't have that, it's kind of a, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. And I just want to say that it, it's very unbiblical for us not to have someone that we're accountable to. So this morning, I want to look at two questions really quickly. And they are, that are concerning the topic of accountability. And the first one being, why? Why is it that we need accountability? I think we need to answer that, don't we? For some of you, you need a case for it. Never had one. So far, you're okay. You're just really reasonable. You're really, you know, kind of an up, upright citizen. And everything's really, really cool. And you're kind of wondering, why do I need an accountability partner? Well, there, there's a few reasons. The first one is because Satan, our enemy, loves to see us stumble. Scriptures talk about this. Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9, it says, Be careful. Watch out for attacks from the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for some victim to devour. Take a firm stand against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your Christian brothers and sisters all over the world are going through the same kind of suffering that you are. So there is this analogy of this roaring lion. Let me just give it to you. A lion will not go after the whole herd. What does, the, what does the lion do? You've watched these nature programs. What does the lion do? You haven't watched these nature programs? He drives them towards the female lions. Okay. He what, who? Goes for the weakest. That's right. And then he will... They will either work that one out or they'll wait till the one, you've seen it. The one little gaffer, he's over there all by himself, not looking around. And, and then all of a sudden, the, the lion comes in and pounces and takes out that one. The moral of the story is don't be a lion's lunch. That is the moral of the story. Nothing can kill a ministry faster than when the leader stumbles and his or her failures are brought to light. Not just spiritual leaders in the life of the church, but our own homes. It's important for us to be accountable. It's important for us to, to, to be what God wants us to be in our homes. No longer do people see all the good things that the ministry has done or is doing, or in your own family. But they only see the failures of the person. And Satan loves this. Satan loves to tear us down. Satan uh, enjoys separating us. Because our ministry isn't as effective as it could be. 
I'm sure many of us have heard about experience. Maybe you yourself have experienced hurt because of failure, moral failure that has separated us. Satan loves that. Why do we need accountability? Because Satan, our enemy, loves to make us stumble. Second is that the world is watching closely. The world is watching as we, every move that we make, waiting for us to fall, just waiting to see, well, see, this person is no better than anybody else. They're, they're just as much as a hypocrite. What is the world's reaction when prominent church pastors or leaders are caught in a scandal? There they go again. Can't trust them. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Remember, you may be the only Jesus that anyone ever sees. So the things that you do at the office, the things that you do at home, very well may be the only Jesus that anybody sees. I'm reminded of that often. The way that I handle accountability of how you handle change, how you handle change as in um, the, the, the commerce, the, the uh, dealing with staff or, you know, whatever. The third is, is that you need to, why do we do this? Is the accountability is to remain right with the Lord. Jesus paid a tremendous price for your freedom. Don't tinker with that. It's not trite. There's something serious about that. The accountability is, is serious because of what Jesus has done for you. This accountability helps us answer the tough questions. It helps us to stay pure in our thoughts and our actions. Helps us to be able to, to think and to act about what we're doing and why we're doing that. The fourth thing is, is that we all need to be concerned to be thinking about the fact that judgment is coming. I remember as a, as a kid uh, being at home during the March break and, and uh, parents had gone down south I forget how old I was. I was a teen, I guess. I'm pretty sure I was. I don't think they would have left me. They certainly wouldn't have left me home younger, that's for sure. Let's just put it that way. But you know, there's that thing where, you know, you, you have pizza boxes out. You got, you know, clothes are all over. The house is a mess. It's just really bad. And then you know that the term judgment day is coming. You know why? Because mom and dad are coming home at the end of March break. So you better have the place cleaned up. Judgment day, we, we don't know when that's going to be. So it's important for us to be ready. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 says, But I tell you that everyone will have to account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they've ever spoken. Our conduct, how we live. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14 says, For... For God will bring every, every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. That's sobering. That's sobering. But pretty positive, too, to know that, you know, up on the screen is going to be the good stuff. 
Well, there'll be some bad stuff. We do some bad stuff. There's going to be the great stuff. And God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in. This is your reward. But we'll be accountable. We'll stand before this great judge and we'll give an account for our actions. Accountability helps us to be ready for that. Accountability is that person that spends time with you helping to study for the final exam. You say, you know what? I, I know that there's going to be this question on this exam. You've got to be ready. And they continue to get you ready. The fifth thing is why accountability is important is it encourages other believers and ourselves. It encourages us. Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 says this, carry each other's burdens in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. We all have special temptations and easily fall into sin which constitutes this heavy burden. We should aid each other in regard to help each other to overcome them. Accountability is not condemnation, putting someone down. Accountability is about helping another overcome and to grow in their, in their faith with Christ. That's what it is. Helping them to lift up and to help them move forward. It's like being able to help our kid when they can't ride their bike. And we don't scold them for the fact they keep falling off their bike. But we come and we get them and we gather them up and we, we, we dust them off and we put them back on their seat again and we get them moving again. That's what we would do as a good parent. And that's what we do in the Christian faith. We, we don't condemn people for the fact that they got it wrong again. We dust them off and we say, okay, we can do this. We can do this. Come on. Hang on to the bars and just continue to look forward. Don't look back. Just look forward. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 10 and 11 says, Christ died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you're doing. Lou, Lou uh, Giglio, an author, has written this. An accountability group is a place where you're consistently candid, open, honest, and vulnerable concerning your potential and actual shortcomings and failures in an atmosphere of mutual love, trust, acceptance, and challenge toward the goal of being conformed to the image of Christ and finishing the race. Anybody here run races? Any of you? Yeah, some of you, great. Um, yeah, see you up there. Any of you did it as a kid? Run races? Some of you? Awesome. Yeah, once this stealth body, I, yeah. There are times when you feel like giving up. Why? Because your bones, your muscles ache and your bones are sore and everything is sore. But somebody along the line is just continuing to help you move forward. I love being a cheerleader on the side watching our kids as they would do the races at the different things. You know, that last day of school or whether it was going to you know, track meets or whatever. And, you know, the one kid, our son, he'd come around. I'd just cheer him on. Come on, go get that kid in front of you. I don't care. Run a little harder. He just, he would just pick it up a little bit. That's what accountability is. It's just saying, you know what? We're in this together. I am here. I'm here cheering you on. That's my task. That's my task. Helping one another. That's why we do this accountability for those reasons. 
Well, what happens to us when we're accountable? Six things, real quickly. We grow in our Christian walk, and that's what this is about. We grow in our Christian walk. As we place ourselves in the hands of others, we will find that our walk will be strengthened. We learn from each other. That's what this is about, holding one another accountable. The second thing is, is that we deepen friendships. Accountability is not just surface conversation. As together you work out the tough issues that face each of you, your relationship gets deeper. Some of us in dating relationship, maybe it was many years ago, or in relationships in general, if you want them to go deep, you need to get beyond just the surface questions and the surface things. You need to kind of go deeper in that relationship and find out what makes them tick. When we're accountable, our relationships go deeper. And our relationship goes deeper with one another, but also goes deeper with our Father. Third thing is, is that uh, when we're accountable is that there's greater awareness. Some of us are challenged because we're not very self-aware. We don't really know what's going on around us. Kind of a little bit oblivious to it. Some of it's a personality thing. Some of us have never gone to the next step of really asking someone to probe us with the tough questions. And so we just continue to go merrily on, fairly thin in our relationships. And for some of us, we like that. Because for some of us, we've been hurt. We've been hurt by giving someone some information and they use that against us. And we don't want to be hurt again. But there's something that happens when we allow somebody in around us that helps us with this greater awareness. Sin has the tendency to blind us of our own faults. You think about that for a second. Sin has the ability to blind us to our own faults. We need a friend to stop us from deceiving ourselves, from continuing to go on, we need someone to tell us that when we talk, when we speak, we cut people out at the knees. That people don't like that. And you're not causing friends, you're, ca- you're, you're causing enemies. We need people that are, are gracious enough to come alongside us and tell us those things. We need people and friends to help us overcome our, our low self-image. Or our inflated self-importance. We think that we're more important than we really are. Somebody just to knock us down a few pegs. Someone that helps us with our selfishness. Do you know at times it's not all about you? I've had some of those conversations. (laughs) Or should I say someone's had that with me? (laughs) Yeah, Mike, you know that you're not really as important as you think you are. Wow, that really burst my bubble. There is pride. There's a deceitful nature. There is our our dangerous fantasies, and there's so much more. What is it about you that you need someone that's going to come in and help you with that? You need a good friend to help you with that. That's what accountability does. It, It creates greater awareness. The fourth thing is that there's priority setting. 
Our lives are often out of balance. I don't know about you, but I find it easy to get too, much, too many things on my plate. And every now and again, I need someone that's going to come alongside me and say, I have no idea why you said yes to that thing. Why did you do that? You don't have the time. It's not really in your interest. Why did you do it? Do you know why I do it? Because I like to please people. I don't like to disappoint them. And in the midst of that, I go down with the ship because I've given too much of myself and didn't keep enough for myself. Accountability helps us to set priorities based on Scripture and then holds us to those. You need people around you that will help you with that. Anybody say amen to that? All right, he really meant it. Good. Fifth thing is peace. What happens when we're accountable? It brings peace. A sense of personal satisfaction and joy in knowing that your thoughts and your actions are matching up with God's standards. 1 John chapter 2, verse 28 from the message says this, And now children, stay with Christ. Live deeply in Christ. Then we'll be ready for him when he appears. Ready to receive him with open arms. With no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when he arrives. Eugene Peterson the one who helped author this, I, I love that. No lame excuses when he arrives. None of that worked with my parents. Why are all these pizza boxes and all this other junk everywhere? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The, the sixth one about accountability, uh, what happens is that there is, we have a support system. We need a support system. Why? So that you're not Alliance Lunch. That's why. The giant redwood tree, I have a picture. There it is. Pretty big, eh? Grows to be the tallest and the largest diameter tree known to man on the planet. And you would think that the root system of this tree goes as, as deep as that tree grows tall, but that is not the case. Many of you knew this already, didn't you? Done science projects on this? The roots only go a few feet down. They survive the storms and the high winds because when these trees grow together, when they're built close together, they're grown close together, all of their root structures intertwined in between all of them. And they're bound together around it to help that tree stay up. And in the same manner, this ability, this accountability, this accountability partner provides that type of support for you and you for someone else. Accountability needs to be a vital part of every believer's life. I know that for some of us, this is scary. I think maybe some of us who are older, more seasoned, you kind of think, you know what, I don't need that. Yeah, you need that. I think that sometimes later on in life we become a little bit insular. We begin to become a little bit more about ourselves. And some of it is self-preservation. You've, you've learned this. But you need individuals around you just as much as a younger person to help you navigate this season of your life. I can tell you from personal experience that it has been wonderful to have someone who holds me accountable. 
So my challenge this morning is, is that if you don't already have an accountability partner, that you'll think of one. I don't know, maybe even as we've been speaking, your, your homework is to find one, ask them if they would be your accountability partner, ask them if they would be willing just to ask you some questions about your life, various pieces of it, just to help hold you accountable. And if you do that, those six things that we talked about will help you in your walk. Now, I, I know that it'd be fairly easy just to kind of walk away from this morning and just, you know, head up to the cafe, have a coffee and a muffin and just, you know, munch on through that and head on home and really kind of forget what we just talked about this morning. Just kind of go your merry way. Some of us here already have an accountability partner and I praise you for that. Continue to make that strong. Continue to make your questions robust and go just a little bit deeper even with that. How many of you... I'm not going to ask you to show your, show your hands. How many of you have accountability partners here today? Do you have accountability partners? Yeah. Good. Wonderful. Wonderful. You need that. So I want to encourage you with that. Let's pray. Then we'll get you out on time. Uh, Fathers... We just pause just for a moment and think about this important piece of our life. We think about the need of having someone that's close to us. Uh, We think about the life of Jesus. We think that we know that when Jesus was on this earth, that there were the certainly the 12 disciples, and there was uh, out from there was the 120 and and so on, and then there were the, the three that were really close to him. And how he shared his life with them. And how they, how he shared their life with them and they with him. And in that experience, they learned more about how to be a Christian than if they had been separate. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us as we think about going deeper with you. About having this type of relationship with somebody that can really drive us deeper and hold us accountable. So Father, help us to to carry that out. May you bring to mind, maybe even this morning, or as we head from this place today, someone that we could really trust, someone that we could really place our life into their hands, and ask them to be that person, to check in with us on a regular basis, just to hold us accountable. Thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. You are wonderful. You are amazing. Thank you that you have an ultimate interest in us. We ask all this now in Jesus' name. Amen.